0: so much of what we believe to be quote unquote normal as women, particularly in relation to pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and even more so when it comes to our bodies and the pain and challenges that we might have post having babies is pretty darn concerning, I think. We're often so accustomed to hiding our physical or emotional challenges to do with our female anatomy and reproductive system because of how much shame we might carry or because of cultural stigma we've internalised about how women's bodies should be and should function. So today's conversation is going to bring some of this to light. My wonderful guest today, Prudence Todd, is the founder of Your Womanhood and is deeply passionate about women's experience of womanhood, birth and beyond. As a previous midwife and now holistic pelvic care practitioner and restorative Pilates instructor, Prudence helps women heal their heart and body after birth trauma with her online and in-person healing sessions. She specialises in guiding women to reconnect with their bodies, access their intuitive wisdom and medicine within, and in turn, heal pelvic floor trauma and dysfunction. We cover so much terrain in today's conversation. From Prue's take on sexual wellness and the fact that we've both lost siblings, I have no doubt that there'll be something here for you today. So sit back and enjoy my chat with Prudence Todd. Welcome to the Sensual Alchemy School podcast, where we explore grief, pleasure, and the sometimes messy, always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here as we centre the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine, we ask. Within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leeper and I'm so grateful you're here. Prudence Todd, thank you so much for coming on to the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. It's such a joy to
1: have you here. It is an absolute pleasure, my darling, to be invited to be here. Thank you. Aww.
0: Yeah, you're you're really welcome. And I've been looking forward to this conversation. It just occurred to me recently. Like Okay. There's I I am so blessed to have incredibly wise women just surrounding me in my world. I have done that intentionally, I'm going to say it hasn't been an accident. <laughs> I love yeah. wise women and I call you all forth. Um but we had oh it was so fun actually how we met. We have a mutual friend mm-hmm. and um I was putting a call out to women Uh, who might be up for a bit of a creative photo shoot uh, about a year ago and um, you came along. We never met Mm -hmm. (laughs) and our mutual friend just said, you know what, you are going to love Prue. She is just you know, she's our jam, and so I trusted her <laughs> <laughs> implicitly, and it was just such a joy. We had so much fun—the waterfalls, and we were dancing, and having these photos taken for uh, for sensual alchemy school, actually. And and so ever since, um, I've just been following your work and really delighting in your your vision, which I'd love to learn more about um, mm-hmm. today and share more about. But as we drop in, Prue, before this, what I know will be a really rich conversation, I would love to just support us to kind of nestle in and ask you the question, ask your body the question, what loss feels really alive in you today?
1: Mm. I love this question. And I think, well, I know that when I asked myself this question before I jumped on here today, um, what came up was the, the innateness of who I am as a human being. That's the greatest loss. It's like, you know, finding myself as a woman is beautiful and it's been a beautiful journey. But I I think when I I feel into my life, it's like, who was I innately, you know, before all that indoctrination and the cultural, you know, the socialization of who I am as a human, not even as a woman, but just as a Mm -hmm. human on this earth. Who was she? Like, oh, wow. Yeah, like that was that was what was really sitting there when Mm -hmm. I dropped into that question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If someone could just pass me a little box and say, here she is. Right. What What does she look like? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like she, that would be the loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I just want to really acknowledge the, oh, the exquisiteness of that because as you've just said you know whilst you've been absolutely relishing in bringing this woman home you know mm-hmm. coming coming back and and returning to who you are innately uh, how pivotal it is to actually grapple with the the fact that you lost her in the first place right yeah yeah that's right so big <laughs> yeah totally so big yeah wow. Yeah. And to yeah. that end, I wonder if you can share if there is a longing maybe connected to that or separate that is surfacing in you.
1: Mm. You know, I acknowledge that perhaps when when you know, I was being raised as a little person in this world, everything that was, you know, shown to me was mostly, for the most part, done in love and care. And so there's no judgment when I talk about any of the things that I I feel lost me along the way, like all the parts that kind of filled the space of who <laughs> I was when I just came into the world. And I guess the longing is really that like longing to know who she would be if like, if I, you know, it's a gentle discovery. In fact, it feels a bit like an adventure that like, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know where it's going to take me. It's been so magical and beautiful up until now. And I'm so deeply grateful and I've just learned so much. And I know that what I'm experiencing in myself now is so beautiful and it's been so healing
0: Mm-hmm. But it just
1: makes me wonder, like, where will this journey take me? and and I guess that longing is is that, you know, longing for those parts to know them. And, yeah, I think, you know, I often remind myself to be patient because there are moments where, you know, when we've experienced loss in our life too of mm-hmm. earthly people earthly mm-hmm. ones and beings around us that are no longer with us which you know all about mm-hmm. you know there's that sense of like what what if I don't have time and so in a moment there can be like this longing I want to know all of it now Like, can I just know all of who she was right now
0: yeah oh my gosh
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you <laughs> yeah yeah but it takes time and it it takes mm-hmm. patience and and so much compassion and love and holding of ourselves to just mm-hmm. you know know that there is so much more but actually there is so much right here in the moment. Like yeah. The two go yeah. Hmm. I mean what a
0: paradox, right? And and how um yeah, how gorgeous it is to be reminded of that and also how challenging because i you know and as i'm sitting here listening to you just nodding going yes i know that longing that yearning particularly i think as uh it's been my experience and and as i continue to speak with women of a similar age you know this midlife awakening that's happening there is so much realization at this point at which yeah, it can be heartbreaking to really Mm. feel into what has been lost, what has felt like it's been taken and all of those, um, yeah, really very challenging things that can feel so confronting to us. And so, yes, it is this like big quest for reclamation. And also I love that you've just reminded us to pause into what is here and how far have I come and what, you know, yeah. So I would love to know a little bit more Prue because I think your journey has really exemplified and, and as I've gotten to know you and I really see the work that you're putting out into the world, it feels to me like you've kind of had a few chapters already in terms of trying to find yourself and and really coming home to the most authentic version of you and you used to work as a registered midwife
1: mm-hmm.
0: I know that you still work very intimately with women with mm-hmm. uh, holistic pelvic care and uh a number of other things so I'd love to know a bit more about what your journey, Uh, has looked and felt like as you've kind of navigated these realms of supporting women in the best ways you know how, but also in ways that feel deeply
1: congruent. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Congruent being a very pertinent word. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Look, I became a a registered midwife after I was a registered nurse so I went through the nursing system first and was one of the last kind of programs where I was paid to work as I studied as a midwife which was really awesome and that was before I even had children and um, through my experience of having four children I suffered quite deep dark depression and it was you know I didn't really realize what was going on I know that I also experienced something like antenatal depression which someone actually said to me the other day oh that's that's the you know they found that's a thing and I said well yeah it was starting to become prevalent and noticed when Mm -hmm. I was pregnant with my second so that's eight 18 years ago now yeah and you know it was actually that babe at the age of 8 he saw me getting ready to go to the tribunal to try to get my registration back after they'd said you haven't worked enough in the last 5 years we can't re-register you mm-hmm. and I, it was my like it was my dream to go back to that after i'd had you know my family and started to grow them up into the world and once they were big enough to kind of hold themselves for me to return to serving women in that way and then when they said that I just couldn't do that, I was like, this is who I am. And so right. I think the, the biggest thing for me is realizing that I was I was born with this in me. It doesn't matter where I walk in the world. I am here to serve women. I'm here to be with women, which is mm-hmm. what a midwife is in whatever capacity she needs that. Right. And so, yeah, there's been A journey along the way of accepting that. I felt really lost for a little while, and my body had suffered quite a bit having four kids, all big babies. Mm -hmm. And I got into Pilates to kind of strengthen my own body. And that led me into my journey as a restorative Pilates instructor. Mm -hmm. And then that led me to the journey of, you know, looking at the pelvic floor issues that women were experiencing and how I could tend to that in my classes and that I could actually connect in quite a deep and intimate way in helping women walk through their healing just in a Pilates class. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really amazing and beautiful. But at the same time, I was like, I want to do more. And it was a, it was a course I did a couple of years ago in specifically internal and external pelvic balancing. And I spoke to this woman who used to be a midwife and no longer works in that industry before. And I said to her, you know, I just, I want to go back and do this. And she said, "What? like, you don't have to be registered as a midwife to be doing this. Like just go and do it. And it kind of gave me permission. I was just like, right. And I walked out. And they were kind of setting up a mentorship program the next year. And I was like, I'm not waiting. I'm just going to set up my clinic. I'm just going to get into this and start serving women because women were coming to me all the time with mm-hmm. conversations that they were experiencing things in their bodies that they didn't know where to turn. Mm-hmm. They'd seen either a doctor or physio, or they were seeing a counselor after birth trauma, but they just like the physical and emotional symptoms were so interconnected. Right. And so I seemed to become this halfway point for people as like, they may have seen a physio, they may have seen a counselor. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of the in-between place where they could access both at the same time yeah, and we could walk into either a physical or an emotional healing journey or both together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've really loved that. I'm still teaching Pilates and I love doing that, but I've cut right back on that um, as I've grown this work with women that I'm really, really passionate about. And it was coming back to my eight-year-old son. It was him that said way back when I thought I'd go to the tribunal and fight this registration, he was like, Mum, what are you doing? Like, why are you fighting this? You're not going to go back and work full-time anyway. You've got us to look after. Right. And it was just a door that closed. And there is a sense of loss for that. You know, when I talk to women that are in that space, um, I miss it. Mm -hmm. but I choose to be present. So it's that whole longing and loss thing again. It's like, you know, I miss that, but I love what I'm doing. And I know that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if that hadn't have happened, you know? That's such an amazing
0: point. And I, it's just such a potent reminder that, you know, when one door closes, it's, so easy to turn to the door and just be like, holy shit, you know, what, what has now been closed down and yet time and time again, it's like once one door closes, if we can kind of allow and honor that door and know that it's closed for a very, I guess, a it, maybe it's not as clear. <laughs> Often it can be a clear reason, but sometimes it's not, but really trusting that there will be something else that opens. That's a really mm. challenging liminal space to be in. It doesn't matter if it's to do with work or relationships or whatever it might be, but there will always be something that moves yeah. in to fill the void. And, and the more that I kind of work with women in, uh, and in a really deeply embodied way, the more stories that you hear and the more I've experienced the natural next step just comes and presents itself. And so it sounds to me like you have been called into a very uh, specific purpose, even though you're dancing between a few realms. It's like you are here to be with women. You are here to support women, women's bodies, women feeling safe and supported and loved through um, pregnancy and birth and postpartum and I'm just celebrating that so hard because you've just found your you've you've created um your sweet spot where mm. I know that women just benefit from you and your wisdom and your skill set so
1: incredibly. It's really cool. Thank you for celebrating that. It's beautiful. <laughs> and you know, I think that when we've experienced a really Um, intense experience where there is a lot of grief in our life, you know, taking the, like I often say to women, just walk through the next door, Mm -hmm. like just whatever door opens, the the easiest route for you for the next little while, like try not to force anything, just whatever door opens next, like that's the way we want to walk. And so that's kind of what happened through this experience. And I learned that lesson very strongly, you know, after my brother died. But even now, like the the reality of just really feeling what's going to serve me.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: waking up on it, I'm so fascinated by how, you know, I'll have a whole line of appointments signed up for the week and women coming to the clinic or online or whatever. And it'll just be like someone will drop out. And then the next door will open. It's just like instead of being stressed about the cancellation. It's like, what's the next thing that's really easeful to walk into? Yeah. And that's so healing because it allows our body to just be like.
0: (gasps) Yeah. And just fully open and receive. And it is really hard to, (laughs) to do that in a world that is like, nope, you fill that space. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah,
1: (laughs) absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I suppose I'm really curious I mean, there's lots of threads that I'd like to kind of pull on there. And you mentioned that you um, did lose your brother. I I want to kind of circle back to that because that is something we have in common, which is sibling loss. Mm-hmm. I will return to that. But I'm really curious. I want to know a bit more and I have my own suspicions and I've kind of, you know, prior to the work that I'm doing now, I really focused a lot of my psychotherapy, um, particularly back when I worked more clinically, with um, perinatal women. So that was kind of my uh, favourite place to, to be, and so I've been a birth geek forever. Um, but I, in your experience, what are women really... <sighs> What are they struggling with and what is bringing them the most challenge and heartache in terms of their perhaps it is pregnancy, perhaps it's more the postnatal. I know that that's kind of an area that uh, we tend to emphasise because it is and it can be particularly for first-time mothers a real shock. But, yeah, what are you noticing? What are women grieving for? How are they hurting
1: in this place? I think the biggest thing I notice is, firstly, not having somewhere to go, not knowing where to go to talk about the things that we feel inside our body that pertain to physical symptoms. With every physical symptom that we experience, particularly with our sexuality or our womanhood, things that happen inside our pelvis to do with birth, pregnancy, perhaps it's, you know, the loss of a pregnancy, perhaps it's the releasing of a pregnancy through abortion or whatever wording you want to use for that. Um, I know that different people see that in different ways, but the way that that, those experiences rest in our body, Mm -hmm. that is what grieves women. And for some women, they have opportunity and awareness to deal with that quite early in their life journey. And for other women, they don't even come across an opportunity to be aware about it till quite late in life, or they're searching, and they can't find the the place to be able to unravel what's going on in their body. And so there's this, this kind of all of these other things that start to show up, like shame that I don't know what's going on with my body, shame that I didn't you know, have the birth experience, I didn't show up for myself. But then there's a double layer of shame that happens, particularly when women can't find the person to, to help them, or they've been searching for a little while of shame that I've let this go so long, mm-hmm. without knowing how to heal myself, without knowing right. how to, without even knowing that I have medicine in my body, like, why wasn't I taught that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And so for some women, you know, that I work with, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s, it's like, you know, I know I know I I've been dealing with this, either I've been dealing with this for a really long time, or um, I've I've known about this for so long and I just put it to the back burner. And right. I feel so deeply ashamed of myself because now look at what my body, what look at what's happening to my body. Right. And so, you know, whether that's um incontinence like leaking or prolapse or you know women suffering and losing connection with human beings through painful sex or just kind of you know sitting with a woman and seeing her realize for the first time that she has you know aimed for the orgasm every time in sexual intimacy but missed the pleasurable experience along the way just because you know she thought that that's what it was all about and her like her whole body softening and realizing you know that or realizing that that, that the prolapse or the shifting of organs in her body and where they're resting can so easily be altered and mm-hmm. we can lovingly help them to move back to where they need right. to be to support not that we need them to go back to where they should be mm-hmm. but where they need to go that support our body and, and how can we help the body to hold our organs and how can we help the body to soften to enjoy sexual intimacy with the person that we love yeah you know, it's a real it's a real dream of mine to one day create a documentary where I link the the experiences that women have through birth with what experience they have they have in their lives and the breakdown of communication and the breakdown of their bodies and the way they view themselves as women so that the people that take care of women in birth can actually see the impact of their choices and how they lead them and how they stand for them and how what opportunities they give them to to you know make decisions in the birthing process because Mm -hmm. the impact of that can be lifelong. Oh, yeah. Alter relationships. It can alter, you know, the way a woman experiences her body for the rest Mm -hmm. of her life. Mm -hmm. And some of those experiences, many of them, can be different. Some of them are just the way that they are. Right. Right. But many women go on to experience something very different once the awareness and the the embodiment of loving self and that compassion Mm -hmm. for self and standing for self it was beautiful the other day I talked to a woman who I did a little bit of work with she was having a home birth and ended up in hospital but she said even though she ended up in hospital right at the very end of the birth she had a voice like she was able to go in there and say thank you but no thank you no no I see your care for me, but no, like it was like mm-hmm. a compassionate stand yes. for herself. And, you know, that's, that's a really, really beautiful thing to see mm-hmm. a woman step into. And, you know, isn't that what life's all about? It's like we prepare ourselves. We actually don't know what on earth is going to happen today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let alone what's going to happen in our birth, but it's how we can carry ourselves through love and compassion through those mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah. But that impacts the other side, you know? And be our own best advocate
0: and have, yeah, have this really clear embodied sense of who we are and what we need at any given time and be able to honour that. A quick break from my conversation with Prue to share that Grief Weavers, my four-week program for women, is kicking off again August 15th through to September the fifth. I'm really looking forward to running this beautiful, sacred online circle again. It is absolutely for the woman who has experienced major loss. However, with grief being such an incredibly nuanced personal experience, I'm really here to work with women who have experienced all kinds of grief, complicated grief. And in fact, I specifically speak to the feminine web of grief it is so much more complicated than our culture accepts. And really from birth, as women, we experience loss after loss after loss to do with our embodied identity, creativity, our eroticism. And this often stems back so far in our feminine lineage. And so Grief Weavers is a beautiful program where we untangle ourselves from the feminine web of grief and really begin to come into a new and rich relationship to our grief, to be fully supported, and return to aliveness. So if you are interested in joining me for the next round of this four-week Grief Weavers program, then head straight for the show notes or go to com slash griefweavers for all of the information. I'd love for you to join us. It is a really beautiful and transformational experience. I mean, that's major, like you say, in every day, Um, but in, in birth, that's everything that's paramount. And I think as I hear you talk and, and there's so much, so much fodder there when, you know, you got me thinking that like, really, I don't know a woman who has had babies and who hasn't obviously their bodies haven't had some kind of significant change and and perhaps there's like, yeah, particular health challenges or physiologically there's been really significant changes that um, Mm. have become incredibly burdensome or shameful. And what what occurs to me is just how normalised that is. And so on one hand... It's really important that we bring voice to that and that we say, yes, I see you, me too, or I have this. And yes, like it's a tremendous thing to grow a baby and to birth it in any which way that it happens. Um, but also to begin a question when something is so normalized and then kept under wraps, and push mm. down because there's all of this shame and and stigma around women's bodies and vaginas and vulvas and uh blood and sex and birth and all of this stuff that is like literally the only reason we're here alive.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It's,
0: it's also important to go well why is that fucking normal? Like what's going wrong that women aren't supported to either be armed with the knowledge and information and support and, and that, you know, not just through a medical lens, but actually coming into intimacy with the language and the wisdom of the body. Mm. Um, But also that like, yeah, how the heck, and this is probably another conversation for another day, how the heck are women, um, women's bodies being so bloody damaged as well, you Mm. know, and, and again that is a huge conversation and i i think that really from the way that i see it it is because so often we aren't our own best advocates in birth we hand over our power mm-hmm. um we don't believe i think from the outset as little girls that we have bodily autonomy and so when it comes to pregnancy and birth it's like well somebody tell me what to do mm-hmm. um and I feel like when a woman does come to maybe after a bit of time and depending on where she is in her mothering journey and really begins to feel into some of the grief around maybe how experience has played out or how her body is now, um, has been uh, harmed or hurt or just naturally, you know, just mm-hmm. naturally by way of, of this big process Mm -hmm. that there is often a huge you know such a huge amount of sorrow Mm -hmm. and wishing for things to have been different wishing to um feel different and have had a voice and had better boundaries and all those things and um yeah it's huge Prue (laughs) it's so huge but I think often the grief part is missed it's how do I fix myself? What's wrong with me? It's not, holy shit, I have lost something here. Um, and I love how compassionate and tender you are within the way that you work with women around this. I think it's so vital.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was something I was going to, like, was coming through for me when you were just sharing is that, you know, the biggest thing when women if they've already been seeing somebody prior to me is that they're just not they're not held in true compassion it's like yes the physical component this has happened go home do some kegels or we'll schedule (laughs) we'll schedule for surgery like the amount of women that are just scheduled for surgery and it's like you know in some ways that's yes, that's the system, but we've also grown up in a culture that doesn't help us to know anything different. Like it doesn't help us to have a voice in birth. It doesn't help us to, you know, I look at my daughter now who, you know, comes to me with things like she sent me a message this morning saying, Hey mom, what are the best herbs for womb steaming? Oh, like, wow. These are the conversations that, you know, I want for every woman who mm. has a daughter, every, every guy who has a girl that you know if he wants to fully support her to be able to have these conversations because she's growing up in a space where it's all so normal like to trust your body to know that you know these things are happening in my body and you know when a woman has a baby you know when, when we when our body goes through a huge life event, there's bound to be some changes. Like oh, yeah. With, and yet women feel so broken by those mm-hmm. changes. And that's also, you know, a mindset that's not helpful. It's come from the outside. That's and, right. Yeah. Yeah. So to help them really. You're ruined now. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah, I just, it's interesting. I had a lady re- recently and I just, like sometimes women say to me, I don't want to be like, I don't want to become super conscious of down there. And I'm like, well, you are going to be, yeah, but it's going to be in such a different way. And it's going to be you being called in by this Mm -hmm. soft, gentle Mm -hmm. voice that's no longer going, I'm broken, or like just ignore it. It's Mm -hmm. going to be this little gentle calling home and it will call to you through multiple parts of your day, yeah. And it's your choice to either get to know her or not. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. so much. I had um, a, a bit of a journey with my cervix. I'm still on the journey. Um, the last year, but yeah, precancerous cells, and you know, I'm still monitoring things, and um, and. I just vowed at that point that cervix is queen. And even, you know, prior to that for some time, I'd really, and I've had three home births and, you know, I'm one of those mums. Um, but like, yeah, prior to that, I have had a pretty good relationship, um, with my lady parts, and it has been important. But I've got to say that in the last couple of years, whilst really facing my own health issues that have all been, um, in the southern area and reproductive and and all of the rest, really learning to love my body and mm-hmm. to be, to take absolute ownership of my own pleasure and after coming into really, really close relationship um, with my whole body but really, really focusing on getting to know every part um, of my female anatomy and really deciding cervix is queen, there has been some tremendous shifts in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, my comfortability with who I am and, uh, being able to set just so like better boundaries for myself, but also to really like protect me, um, from others who, I don't know, it's, it's so, I'm going to cut that out too. (laughs) I could have just gone. Yeah. I could have just gone in a, in a place that we're not ready for yet. Um, okay, what do I want to say? I have come back into such a poignant relationship with my own body through really investing so much conscious and intentional time. Um, And yeah, I just, I put it down to the fact that cervix has been my queen and uh, the wisdom that has come from really uh, trusting the messages of my body has been phenomenal. And so I guess that's some women aren't ready for that. And that feels like, oh my God, how do I even begin with that? But it sounds to me like a lot of your work kind of ventures into some of that territory. And it's just so, so beautiful and so important.
1: Mm. And you're right, like when you start to really heed the messages that the body has, like it is amazing what kind of, you know, information we can gain when we connect into organs, particularly in the pelvic space. It's, you know, a lot of if there's congestion in the pelvic space, emotionally, physically, there's a lot of clearing that needs to be done energetically, like also the tension that gets held in the pelvic space. When you start to clear that, so, you know, women can learn to do this in their own bodies. They can come and see me and learn how to do that themselves or we do that together. Like it's always based on what a woman is ready for. And, you know, a woman said to me in the other day, I just, I just don't feel ready. I was like, you know, you know what you're ready for. You know, yeah. there's no urging of me. There's no agenda. There's nowhere that I want you to be. Um, and, you know, the ovaries always have messages for us in the womb space and even whether the organs are there or they're not. I mean, the cervix isn't just something that's floating in the middle of the pelvic space. <laughs> it's connected right. to everything and has yeah. so much information to give to us and that's really beautiful to hear you really prioritise that and like mm-hmm. put that at the centre and the foremost of not just dealing with it physically but like how can I connect into this part yeah. of myself that's calling clearly for that's me that's right help her.
0: oh yeah. yeah I've written my cervix letters and poetry you name it we are tight
1: <laughs> yeah yeah for
0: want of a better word yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> but I, just to like veer off somewhere else after that, um, I would love to know, Prue, when I hear you speak, you know, and and I, I love your beautiful mothering energy, I am aware that you have experienced incredible grief in your life so far. And I mentioned earlier that you, that your brother had died and uh, you have had your own journey with PND. And I'm curious to know how your personal experiences of grief and your relationship to grief has supported you or has, has created the foundations that um, I guess, yeah, have have really been super important in the Mm -hmm. way that you, you know, share your gifts with women?
1: Yeah. I think um, to go back, it's, it's like a woman said to me the other day, she's like, you know, I came to you for birth trauma, but your work took me way back to connecting to myself prior to any of those experiences. And, you know, my brother's death helped me Question a lot about life and a lot of the things that I'd just taken for granted because they were taught to me. I was raised in a Christian home and had, I still, you know, there's so much about. You know, Christianity that rings true to me, but very much in my own way now that I've sat with it. It was not just the way it was taught to me. It's, you know, I've sat with every question about life and where he went and what happened to him and why he's not here anymore and just sat in stillness until I no longer need to know. And so when it comes to working with whatever it is in our bodies and, you know, This is an ongoing journey. Like, I was literally just thinking this morning, you know, what, how would you feel? Like, it's, it's like the self reflective process is always happening. If today was, you know, your last day, Mm -hmm. like, what, what would that, what's resting inside of you? And so, you know, it, it's ingrained in me, it's carved this deep, still river of faith and love and trust that I I actually need to find that in whatever experience. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that all of our work will miraculously change things, even though that's what that's, that's our deepest prayer is that we can heal ourselves,
0: mm. but
1: we actually don't know what today will bring, but we know that we can carry ourselves through such deep love and tenderness that it's nearly like we can face whatever life brings. Mm. And part of the process of even going back before Gaz died was, you know, separating from my partner for 12 months, which was so unforeseen. And during that time I was, I had this process that I learned where I, I met life again and life had become quite, abrasive to me it's like I had experienced so much depression by that point raising my children life had been so difficult and dark and I you know I'm the the eternal optimist so I just Mm -hmm. see beauty around me all the time but I was so heavy and dark Mm -hmm. on the inside and I remember realizing this day through this exercise that life wasn't a friendly thing like when I met life face to face it brought so much anxiousness and fear and uncertainty and I went through this process of getting to know life again and make friends with life and trust life and love life and I I really feel like that helps me to connect deeply with every experience, every woman you know, like not knowing what the outcome of even having a conversation with a woman who may ask me questions. It's like I don't need to control this. We're just going to call in whatever needs to happen here. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and let the process flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. It
0: does. It (laughs) does, And, and I think, you know, what has it sparked this recognition in me I wonder how old was your brother when he died, and how old were you?
1: What was the? Mm. He was forty-two, mm-hmm. and I was nearly forty. Yeah, so yeah. like right in the, like the peak of
0: where shit should be, you know, just yeah. awakening again, right? And and I think it seems to me that, and particularly with sibling loss, there's um, very specific. Dynamics and and uh, things that that are brought to the surface. I think when we lose a brother or a sister, and you know, um, I was thirty five and my sister was thirty when she died, and so like the age. I think when when it's like really when people die in such sudden or traumatic circumstances that are just like what you know, it just does not make sense. I think that as the surviving sibling, there's a real, there seems to be like a grasp of the precariousness of life Mm. that maybe others don't quite have when you're so close to death in that way and just the absolute like um, dismantling of Mm -mm this narrative that you've kind mm-hmm. of just assumed was going to unfold and like you're walking through life with your sibling just like you know they're doing their thing you're doing theirs and you just always know that it, it's almost like they are a reflection of you right in in Absolutely. some way so I haven't lost a parent yet and so I cannot speak to that but I have always imagined that my parent would die before me. And uh, of course, it's different again with losing a child. Mm. But with a sibling, it's almost like, well, shit, if they, if that happened to them, then literally any minute my life could be over. That's how I've experienced it. So there is this sense in me of always like, if my life could be over in a minute, is this what I want? And mm. that is really terrifying, actually. There's mm. something liberating in that and also really terrifying. Can you relate?
1: <laughs> oh, hearing you say those words, it's like someone shining a light into this little corner of my heart and going, mm. here I am. Like this is this is what you've been wanting to hear from someone, oh, but wow. you, you didn't know how to articulate it. And you, know, you, you bang on like that. That journeying beside, you know, there's four siblings in my family. And it's been devastating for each of us in different ways. But I mm-hmm. was the closest in age to my brother. Right. And it was like we walked the memories side by side as yeah. well. And so so many of the memories that I want to talk about with the family, my siblings mm-hmm. don't have any mm-hmm. recollection because it was with him. And so it's like I lost that partner in walking that part of life but yeah you like you really you really amplified that for me in sharing what you just shared it's like the the reality that you can be here one minute and possibly not the next is so real I had so I suffered postnatal depression a long for a long time but then I also experienced anxiety really terribly after Gaz died and one of the things that I helped myself with getting through that was I would always, I became double checking all the time. I would double check things all the time. I would Mm -hmm. say goodbye to my family more than once. And I didn't really have a conscious fear, but I knew that those behaviors were coming from somewhere. And so I decided that every time I said goodbye, I would envisage them walking back into my life and saying hey mom mm. or my husband you know who now works away at the mines every other week it's like just you know i just it's it's also acknowledging that even though they're not with me we are still connected mm. because the flip side of that is that i am still so connected to my brother even though he's not here yeah. in person and so yeah. i know that no matter what we're connected and so i use both of those things to just kind of Tend to myself and mm-hmm. and let myself know that it's okay. You can, yeah. you can let them go and live their life, and that's yep. been really powerful with my eighteen-year-old who has just been kind of he's been moving slowly out of home, and it's like yeah, like when, I don't know why it's big for the oh, boys. that's so big. Going yeah. <laughs> it's just like you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put my missing him and that emptiness, which I actually mm-hmm. haven't felt, haven't felt a sense of emptiness because I feel like there's that real delight in him being able to live into his life and me being right. able to live into mine. Right. And I have no doubt that because you are
0: well practiced at allowing the grief to be there and to open to it and and grief has been your companion for some time, that. This rite of passage is, of course, challenging and painful in many ways, but yeah, I've no doubt that it's like, okay, here we go again. It's just another flavor of loss and and you are familiar with that. And I I think it is about, yeah, just practicing meeting these losses in this way that eventually we begin to be, it doesn't get easier necessarily, but we're better partners.
1: Absolutely, with, with
0: grief and we're able to yeah walk alongside it with just a little more oh, I don't know comfortability maybe isn't the right mm-hmm. word either but you know there's just some familiarity and 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 respect perhaps yeah. as opposed to rejection
1: yeah and less suffering like I learned yeah. that in that experience with my brother, I learned that I experience less suffering when I take more care of me and where the love wants to go. So when I'm listening to, like, what do I need, it's like my body actually can experience joy and mm-hmm. less suffering because there's the tending to, which is yeah. just, and I, that has been so helpful with the kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that so much. Yeah.
0: Well, we've gone places, Prue. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we
1: could talk for like another three hours. Uh,
0: I know we could. And I just love how we've like, we've gone into birth, we've talked cervixes, we've talked sibling loss, we've talked working with women. It's, uh, yeah, it's totally my kind of conversation. It's been such a, um, yeah, such a beautiful conversation that's just traversed. Um, so much different landscape. And I guess I'd love to close things out today by really um, supporting anybody who wants to get to know you and wants to investigate what it is that you do uh, with your womanhood, which is your beautiful body of work. Um, And are you only working in person in clinic, Prue, or do you also work online? So just share whatever you would like about Yeah, how people can reach you.
1: Yeah, thank you. So I do work in person in my clinic and I also work online. Awesome. So with women all around the world. And um, just recently released my podcast, which is really exciting. So, yeah, that's all about unveiling these conversations about, you know, things that women need to talk about but don't know how or where to talk about them. So, you know, if women have an experience that they have been through, whether it's with birth, whether it's something that's happened to their body, whether they've been mistreated, like and they want to share that with the world, please feel free to get in contact with me. You can find me on Instagram under Your Womanhood or on mm-hmm. Facebook as Prudence Todd, mm-hmm. and I would love to chat to you.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. please do,
0: and I'm cheering you on. I love podcasting is the best and you know if nothing more than just this incredible creative avenue right to have a voice and to just for people to find you and yeah I love it so super excited for you and thank you again for coming together with me today Pruitt's um yeah it's been really really wonderful to chat and to get to know your story a little more and um yeah super grateful Mm, So am I, darling. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family and anyone who you feel might benefit. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leeper. I'd love to hear from you.